Hello, this is Pastor Paul, and I'm an associate pastor at Living Word Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to say thank you for joining us today, because I know the word from Pastor Doug will minister to your spirit, and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the word. Enjoy today's message. Today, as we, we launch into a new year, Whenever God's word comes at the beginning of something, it's meant to proclaim how things are going to turn out in the end of something. So I literally apply that to to life every time there's some kind of a beginning. I speak over the beginning what God's righteous cause and end would be. We know that our end is always to be good no matter what's going on in the world. So we proclaim his good over the coming year, but then we find out how do we line up with what that is. I believe this year we're going to learn a lot about what what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. You know, there's a lot of thinking out there because there's not been a lot of teaching on the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not the group of people alive in the earth in any given generation that love God. That's not the kingdom of God though the kingdom of God is inside of those people. The kingdom of God inside of those people who love the Lord has to be brought out into life somehow, brought out into the world. And the product of our loving God and obeying Him is what establishes God's kingdom in the earth. It's a system. It's a way of doing things. It's a way God brings His will into the earth. So much so that Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he was talking about right before they said, Thy kingdom come. So he tells us how his kingdom will come. It's imparted from Father God in heaven into our hearts, literally when we're born again, when we accept Jesus, we're saying Jesus is my Lord, and as I allow him to be my Lord, the kingdom of God will come out of my life and be greater in the earth. So that's what we're a part of. We are automatically chosen to be a part of God's perfect will in the earth, and he engineered each of us to be some specific expression of his love and of his heart. But we have to find out what that is. And we don't find out what that is by default just because we love the Lord. We seek his will. We ask his opinion. We make him Lord over even little things. We learn to be sensitive to his directing us. And then more and more we see there's something happening in our life besides our our job, our our family, our hobbies, our, our joys. There's something else happening almost like there's yet another person living because there is. See, it's no longer I that live, but Christ Jesus that lives in me is what the New Testament teaches. So if he's living in me and living through me, my life counts for more than just everyday natural things. Many times Christians stop at asking God, bless my life and help me be more productive and be successful, and I will honor you. That's the lowest level of kingdom living, that we live on purpose to show some honor to the Lord. Coming to church is in that level. It's one of the things that just, it's kind of a no-brainer. You're going to honor the Lord, you honor the Sabbath, and you keep it holy, and you put him first, and you recognize a lot of the things I say in most services, we, we honor the Lord with our first, and he blesses the rest. 
That's a kingdom truth, but it's a basic kingdom truth. But if we want to go in a little bit deeper, we say, Lord, how would you like to multiply my life? What does multiplication look like? Instead of an increase of harvest, what does a multiplication? I'm not really talking about financial things, but think of all the areas where something got is just wrong and not how you would want it. How would it be to see God remediate that and not just fix it, but bring triumph in it? See, there's, there's a level of kingdom living we can have that we become a walking, talking testimony of the Lord most of the time. I'd like to think even all of the time, instead of once in a great while, that we have something we feel is worthy of sharing. Yeah, I'd like you to kind of think this way. Every week there ought to be an encounter with the will of God that makes you want to talk about it. Sometimes it's an encounter that's, oh, <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Sometimes that's our encounter. Or, oh, I didn't see that coming, but Lord, I trust you. That's a faith encounter. You may not see the result yet of it, but that's turning in his direction and committing something to him. Then there are those moments where there's a victory and we can share the victory or there's something to be celebrated and we can share that. But the beginning of a celebration starts with conviction. It starts with the Holy Spirit revealing something that he wants to do. The kingdom of God doesn't come out of us by simply discovering it. It comes by the Holy Spirit convicting us that he wants us and needs us and has called us to be a part of the kingdom, to function as, as part of God's will in the earth. I know it's a little different way of thinking, but it's how we put him first. We give some thought to that. John 10 is a jumping off point this morning because Jesus was speaking and he let us know there were two kingdoms that would pull at us in this world. He said in John 10, 10, the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. We know the thief is the devil. Think of it this way, anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-anointing, anti-good is out to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said he had come, I am come that they might have life. He's talking about anybody who chooses him. Have life. That's the promise of eternal life. And that life more abundantly. That means we continue to experience his salvation and upgrades while we are here. Salvation, the word sozo, has an idea of being continual, layer upon layer, precept upon precept. You can think of it that way. Everything, Every time you discover something and you apply faith, Salvation, you become saved into the kingdom of God. Know what you're saved out of? People always think it's hell. It's, it's hell on earth first, the kingdom of this world, the chaos and the confusion that will increase. Today will point us in a direction to know how to deal with chaos, how to put it in its box and push it out the door, get it out of the family, get it out of our lives. Because if you'll recall in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell, the enemy came in, the devil came in like a snake looking like a serpent, and he told a lie that created chaos. Chaos still comes the same way. When something brings confusion and doubt and despair and unbelief, the devil was behind that. It's his mechanism to bring anxiety and fear and panic to get people to overreact and cause something other than Jesus to be Lord in that moment. If we're not careful, we lose our bearings and we lose our way. 
And if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He pulls us out of that, says, wait a minute, you're not moved by all of that. You're somebody else. You're moved by God's will. But other times we've been moved by it. Typically, people are moved by things that hit the family hard or their finances hard or hit their health with a bad report. Those are the big three things. And when those three things take a hit, many believers then decide to believe and press into God, become a God chaser. If you're a God chaser only in crisis, chaos will overtake you. We're to be a God chaser before chaos hits. We can say, I'm far ahead of that. I'm not going to be moved by that. And that's a picture of the positioning God wants to do in your lives and in our families to empower us to be some steps ahead of whatever the devourer has in mind so he can't catch us by the heels. We're to put our heel down on his head. That's what we're supposed to do. So as we begin this morning, I'm going to do what I classically like to do and point to something in the Old Testament and then go to the New Testament. This is 2 Chronicles 23, 19, talking about how God's word will, uh, it has been established to regulate his kingdom. The value of knowing God's word is that God's word tells you the rules to live by that keep you in the kingdom benefit. The kingdom benefit is, is you stay ahead of the enemy in many ways and you are anointed against him in every way where you can get away from his tactics. You can get away from what he has in mind. Your outcome can be different than other people's outcome if you're living in a kingdom consciousness. Think of it this way. The kingdom of God is all about honor. It's about understanding, honoring the king and master and how we live to do that and how when we do that, we can call on him for anything we desire when we pray and the scripture says he will do it. Did you ever wonder why that doesn't work sometimes? I've learned something. Whenever I see my faith not work in a prayer like that, I go back to the master and say, is there a way I need to be honoring you? Is there something about me? And I'll tell you, he's never told me, no, Doug, it's all right. <laughs> Let that be a, a, a heads up. Is he will have something to tweak. It isn't always a big thing. That's why sometimes we're surprised when we don't have a, a prayer answered. But sometimes when we, when we are not honoring the Lord, the enemy sees a way to get in there. And unanswered prayer releases chaos against your walk with God. Have you ever thought about that? Makes you begin to doubt. Well, this is the Old Testament, and he set the porters at the gates. There's a watchfulness about this season. Porters at the gates of the house of the Lord that none which was unclean and anything should enter in. Now, he's, he's talking about sacrifices particularly there. But they were looked at and examined today. He's talking about teaching and doctrine, our priorities, our representation of Jesus. There's something that I'm real sensitive to is that we keep doctrine in line with God's word, that we honor God's word, that Whenever there's something being taught out and about that's wrong, we root it out or point it out. I don't mind at all exposing false doctrine because it gets people in trouble. So there's a watchfulness over this season that, that I would say as it applies to me watching over the church, it applies to you watching out over your families. Watch out for stuff to try to get in 
that will increase chaos. Push it out now. And they came through the high gate into the king's house. They were coming into the, the temple. And they set the king upon the throne of his kingdom. There's something that we do if we want to avoid chaos is we establish Jesus as king of our kingdom. Think of it this way. You're a part of the kingdom of God, but he set you as stewards over your house. You're the porter over your house like I'm the porter over this house. That means you guard the gate and you decide who you open to and who you close to. What you let in to talk about, what you shut out talking about. Sometimes you have to recognize what's already got in the house that you need to deal with and push it out the house and the porter opens the door and boots it out. Many times Christians, because we live in this world, let too much of the world get on us and if we're not careful, it gets in us. When it gets on you, you can chunk it off. Everybody's had to do that. But when it gets in you, it's a little harder to deal with. What do we need? We need the work of the Holy Spirit by saying, I'm not letting this in my life. And we call Jesus Lord. And when you call Jesus Lord, there's something His Spirit does on the inside of you. And He works to set you free of anything that's gotten in the way. Any kind of wrong thinking, particularly. Now, he was talking here about high gates. The high gates of the church, particularly, setting the precedence for the kingdom. So what I'm doing as we, we enter this season as, as a church is talk about all the things that I see at the high gate right now. And what I mean by that is uh, you recognize the enemy is always out to mess with your family and your finances and your health. We use those big three. I recognize that as the enemy is doing that and waging war on people and families, he's trying to change the nature of the church. He's trying to change faith-filled people to not be so faith-filled. He's trying to alter our priorities by the chaos that's in the world to do away with some expression of the kingdom of God. Say it this way, if he can push you out of church, the kingdom will suffer. What will he do? He will give what he intended you to be to another if you live to not do it. And right now, I believe the heart of God is grieving and yearning for people to recognize a little bit more what's on the line. When we go to heaven, there's, it's God's intention for it to be a parade of reward for each person where he is bestowing gifts and reward on each one for the obedient place we have had in his kingdom. That will be the most important moment we'll experience will be the twilight between this life and that life when we enter into that realm and recognize and understand that day is coming. It'll be after you get to heaven, way on out there, the judgment seat and the reward. Now, I'm not preaching on that today, but I want to throw it out there to add a weightiness to this season. As it was in the beginning in the Garden of Eden when chaos was injected and man fell, so it will be in the coming of Christ yet again. Why? It was the stopping of his kingdom on earth as he intended it to be in the garden. And what's he wanting to do? Restore his kingdom to the garden. Understand, the world no longer is, is able to produce as the garden of God, but his church is. You are to become his Eden. His pleasure place is his church when his people come together. We give God pleasure when we worship him. 
It's his joy to be a part of that. It's his joy to hear what's coming out of our hearts as we sing him praise. He hears the language of our heart and knows what our desires and needs are before we ask him. That's when it's conveyed. Now, we're going to talk about today the church learning how to enthrone, how we learn to enthrone Jesus as king in our lives. This is in 2 Thessalonians 2, and it's a passage really about the latter days of the church, and it's uh, uh, today is all about introduction and jumping off points. Uh, if you hear this whole series, you'll get a good understanding of what it is to be in the kingdom, and then I believe you'll get a revelation of how to be a greater part of the kingdom. I believe when that revelation comes, your prayer life will be increased. I believe that you will have a greater confidence in the days ahead to, to not give over to anxiety. I believe that you will have faith to make good changes for your family, for your finances, for your health. You will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be more connected to God's kingdom than you are in this world. Right now, most people, most Christians are living very aware of the world and have a shadow's glimpse into the kingdom of God. I'm praying that that be reversed in us this year, where we are more aware of what's going on with the kingdom of God and our king than ever before. And this world becomes a little bit strangely dim. It says that'll happen in heaven. I believe it's to be happening now where we take our eyes off this world a little bit and say, no, 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 I'm focusing on my master and his kingdom. And then you can say what I hear a lot of people saying, and they don't know what they're talking about. People are saying all the time, God's got this. Well, he doesn't unless you got him. You know, if you've got him, he's in you and you've got it. You know what to do and you know how to navigate. And that's what it is to be spirit led and spirit filled. As we live in a place we honor the Lord so much, we hear what he's saying. He said, my sheep hear my voice. He's talking about the sheep that are following him, not the sheep that are doing their own thing. And I'll show you that in the scripture a little bit later today. Second Thessalonians 2, he said, now we beseech you, brothers, and he talks about two key elements to keeping our right influence in our right place in this world. Number one, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to be thinking about that. If we start thinking he's not coming again, we won't live so honoring. And number two, by gathering together unto him. Interesting in, in the chaos of this past year, how those two things were interrupted. Now I'm going to point out to you something. This world will continue to try to undermine our gathering together. I remember when this first all started, the Holy Spirit used a word that isn't familiar in my vocabulary. He said, there is an egregious attack against the body of Christ. Stand up and pray. And I had to look up, what does that mean? It means so unbelievably dark that we can't see what it is. I thought then, okay, the devil is really up to something. And then as I prayed that day, the Holy Spirit said, the enemy is out to divide every righteous relationship. And this disease is a covering for what the enemy's agenda truly is. I've seen it play out. I've seen a dark agenda roll out that I have to say, God has the counter for that. And we're a part of that. The kingdom of God keeps us from deep being taken down and taken out by a world that is, is being judged because we judge ourselves. The best way we judge ourselves is to say, I'm going to be in the kingdom of God and live like Jesus said to live. 
I'm going to keep a right focus. I'm going to do the things that he's telling me to do. Now, he said uh, that you be not soon shaken. Here's the benefit of thinking about Jesus coming and living accordingly. I don't mean just you talk about, oh, he's going to come soon. You think about what does that mean? What does that mean I should be doing if Jesus is coming soon? What does that mean for my family if somebody's not living for Jesus? How bold should I be? How straightforward should I be? I think, what does it mean for me as your pastor? What should I be teaching and telling if I'm preparing people for Jesus' return? How should I impart what brings the confidence in their walk with God so they're ready? What should I do that will not stir anxiety but help them deal with anxiety and fear? You know, what, what do we do when the bad report comes? We counter it with God's word, the good report. Then I, I have to think about the second thing, the gathering together. I, I'm, I'm pretty resolved. We'll gather together come hell or high water. Why? Jesus said, do not forsake the gathering. Interesting he used the word gathering. He could have said something else. There are a lot of ways we can gather. So why are you saying this? Because I, I, I'm determined to look at how do we live in the kingdom and that will be our standard, no matter what. Sometimes people have to get faith-filled to do what God's Word says. Be prepared for that when the world says we can't. What does God's Word say we should do or how we are to live? Or we begin to see less and less kingdom benefit. Why would the world system, except there be a spirit behind it, try to stop the gathering together that Jesus commanded. Why would that be? Now, we'll find out in the next verse. That you be not soon shaken in your mind. In other words, don't get confused. We're to focus on those two things, and it'll keep us from being confused and becoming anxious in our mind and upset why we have a right focus. If I'm thinking about what does Jesus' soon coming return mean to me, I have faith to get my, my act together a little better for the master. Think if it's all going to be over, my short-term decisions aren't as important as my long-term decisions. How am I focusing on eternity? What am I doing to be the expression of God's kingdom? And then that, that second thing by gathering together. How easy is it for a little bit of chaos to talk me out of it? little bit of snow or a poopy diaper at the last minute or breakfast ran late or the car didn't have any gas in it or I'm tired this morning. Yeah, I, I used the, the example this morning of if it was a work Monday, how few people would not get there. You know, a few might call out and lie and say they're sick when they just didn't want to go clear the car and deal with it. Or the kids might be held back and at home for school, for school, and it's inconvenient. But if you're hedging for a raise at work and something like that happens, you still manage to get there. So I challenge you, who's really Lord in that moment? See, I had moments like that where I've been convicted that way. There are many examples like that. If the family's in crisis Saturday night, the temptation is we need family time on Sunday. Who's really God if we follow through with family first instead of 
gathering first. What have we done? We've displaced God and said, I will fix my family, God, and I'm putting you on the back burner. What I'm doing this morning is trying to expose modern-day challenges to living in the kingdom because we've been duped into circumstantial things to dictate how we should think instead of elevating God's word first. And it happens to anybody and everybody. I said there's, there's sometimes things that happen in our journey that make us a God chaser where we were not before. Watch that begin to happen more frequently to people who don't honor the Lord. Why? He's out to get them by any means back into fellowship and in his family. Now, not soon shaken in mind, number one, nor troubled or be troubled. What does that mean? Take on negativity. Take on negative behavior. Take on adjusted problems, adding problems, being troubled. Neither by, he names three things, spirits. That's why I say there's a spirit behind it. We're part of a spirit realm. There's a spiritual battle. It has heightened in the last few years. And when it has heightened, many stepped away from the things of God because they didn't understand why they were having so many challenges. And pressures became heavier. It was harder to make it, and, and people became more aware of uh, substance availability and legality and turned more and more to, it's my legal right to use this, so I will use this. And instead of being convicted of the Holy Ghost to change, people salved over what the devils were doing in emotion and in the mind. So we're the most drug-dependent society in the world that the world has ever seen is, is where we live in America. Why is that? People turn to that instead of God for help. Now, not by spirit nor by word. What does that mean, false doctrine? A grace that says God's got you no matter what? That's a half-truth. But do you have him? You know. Nor by false report. He put that in because there was a false report when he wrote this letter that Jesus had already come again and it was too late. And there were people running around teaching, if you have any chance of making it, you'll join with me because I know more than everybody else. Well, there's a lot of that happening around too. Yeah, if you're going to go obey God, do it my way. No, we do it Jesus' way. This is all about lordship. And he says, this will increase as the day of Christ is at hand. So we've seen all of these things accelerate, and it's, it's chaos that is introduced through deception, something being used to make more of it than it is, deception, confusion, and then lastly, persecution. We've not seen a lot of persecution yet, but I would buckle up. I'm just giving you a word to the wise. When chaos is released against the body of Christ, particularly to not gather, there's an agenda. The agenda, if we overcome it, when we overcome it, because we must overcome it, we'll have confusion loosed and persecution loose, so much so that Scripture teaches there will be something called the mark of the beast at the end of time, that you can't buy or sell or really operate in the world system without having this mark, chip, whatever you want to call it. 
So people say, oh, they're, they're all worried about the, the uh, virus inoculation being having a chip. I heard it has a chip, but it has some identifying elements in it. I go to a lot of places today, and they say that the U.S. has a major corn, coin shortage. Well, we have more ways to mint money, and they produce more dollars than anybody in the world. Why are we short coins except now you've got to have exact change or you don't get change back? That's the beginning of a trend. Watch out. Why? To move us toward cashless society, to move us toward instead of carrying your visa, it'll be right there or wherever or whatever. Say, Pastor, that's outlandish. They thought so 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and I was preaching the same thing, but most people today don't think it's outlandish at all. I would look for anything that might uh, have the promise of altering DNA, and I'd stay away from that. There are a number of things. Why? Technology has grown. Jesus, the, the Word says that in the end of days, information will increase, and people will value the information more than they value revelation from God. I would look for what does God's Word say on everything, and then honor that. And that gives you sometimes the answer whether to say yes to something or no to something. And when you don't know, I, I, I step back. I'm not going to rush into anything this world has to offer. It might look right, smell like, and look intelligent. God's way is not always look, look intelligent to the eye. All right, just going to forewarn you. As the day of Christ is at hand, he's talking about chaos increasing. Now, what does chaos come in to do? In the garden, it came in to break fellowship with God by disrupting God's order. Whenever all hell breaks loose, Saturday night or Sunday morning, you can count on it. The devil is out to divide divine order and keep you from thinking about Jesus' return so that you'll deal with the moment, not be thinking about, I need to live for him, not be thinking about lordship, and not be thinking about gathering together. Or a better one is this, you're five minutes out. And you have had this bubbling expression in your family ready to blow up over some kind of disagreement or issue. Or maybe it's just one or the other was 10 minutes late and it torqued off the other one. Anybody ever? Thank you, Tim. <laughs> and you're five minutes out and something just trips the trigger and that stick of dynamite blows. And you have to make a decision, do I circle in the parking lot or just let's jet and go home and deal with this? Which do you think honors the Lord? So you have to recognize the tactics of the devil. He's an enemy, and he will be as strategic as he can be. Know this about whenever an attack comes out of the blue, it wasn't really out of the blue. The enemy knows something in your future you don't know about yet, and he's trying to introduce chaos to keep you from discovery. Understand that many times when we don't see the will of God for greater blessing, it's because the enemy has distracted us with a bit of chaos that we've not been able to see past, and we think, I must fix this before I can move on. No, when it's introduced chaos by the enemy, Jesus' name will fix it, and we address it, and then we look ahead and say, all right, what was the enemy out to steal? What was he trying to kill in the moment? What is he trying to destroy? No. This same passage teaches that this Antichrist will introduce a new order as the answer to chaos. That's what's happening in our world. Is man is going to have the answer, want to have all the answers without a God needed. 
And that system and that way of doing things becomes a one-world religion. It's not a one-world finance we should be the most concerned about if God meets our need. It's a one-world religion that says you will drop all of these things and you will adopt these new values. And what happens is legislation in the land we live, coming from non-biblical, not, not Christian people, decide we have all of these new rights and we're going to bring them into the nation. And they're going to make us a better nation and we're going to be an enlightened people and we're going to have the answers and show everybody how to live in peace. And what they're really doing is introducing chaos as if we were back in the Garden of Eden about to be kicked out because of decisions being made. But as this nation and really the world moves further and further away from God, the people of God had better draw nearer and nearer to the master of the kingdom. Say, Lord Jesus, you put me here for now, and you did it on purpose, and I must be strong enough to endure it. You must have a purpose in my being here. Somehow I must be able to make a difference. So I'm going to do everything I can to represent you and your will, and you're going to empower me in it, and I'm going to overcome the devices and works of the enemy by trusting you instead of going the way of the world. Yet many Christians are so biblically illiterate that when it sounds good and other people are rallying, they think, well, that must be a good thing. Let's be tolerant. Let's be this. Let's be embracing. Let's be, we love the people like God does, but he hates the sin and we have to choose to hate it too. And it's a hard decision when people you love and you care about expect you to love them so much that you will walk away from God to love them. But that's what's at stake. The system of this world is trying to get believers in Christ Jesus to turn their back on him for one reason or another, one person or another. The things to be mindful of first would be your family, second, your finances, and then your health. What if? I don't know whether to use this example or not. I like movies. There was a movie called Legend. Anybody see that beside me? Where everybody got an injection that was going to cure cancer, but instead they turned into The Walking Dead. Sounds so far-fetched and crazy and goofy, and, but there's something in it we should pay attention to. Everybody raced to get what was supposed to do one thing, but it did another why? It was an abandonment of God's way of doing things. And I'm not saying the, the injection for the virus is that. I'm just saying what a perfect example of how people would go running to what looks better and forsake the God who says, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm your healer. So what do we do in the coming year in the kingdom of God? We look for Jesus as our healer again. I'd get well acquainted with him. My personal choice will be I'm not vaccine, I'm trusting just because that's why. I need that discipline in my life anyway. Now, to my 80-year-old parents, they may vax and I might drive them there if they want me to. Well, that's their personal decision. But while I'm younger and stronger, I'm going to stretch my faith to overcome by faith. I'm going to trust God to the max that I can. And I'll listen to the Holy Spirit on the inside. And I, I would tell you this, don't judge anybody but yourself in anything like that. As a family, talk about those things. As husband and wife, decide together. How are you going to stand and what are you going to do? 
I realize some career paths are going to demand it. Well, pretty soon we'll be demanded a whole lot of things or we'll be denied the ability to be in commerce. We'll be denied the ability to buy and sell is what the Bible says. So uh, understand what's ramping up and get your mind ready to, 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 to know God's will in things and not just be sucked in. Now, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. I believe we've been in that for a while. And that man of sin shall be revealed or the embodiment of the Antichrist how easy it would be if, like in that movie, one man suddenly had the ability in his DNA to cure all disease. And they found a super immunity in one person. And the world all wanted to have super immunity. And then the Bible says people are going to do something like that. And then everybody that got the deal will break out in sores and boils and be miserable until they die. So it's interesting what comes across in the media and in movies. Sometimes there's a correlation. Sometimes there's, there's like, oh, I wonder why they're talking about that right now. I wonder why that's coming out right now. And that was some years ago now. That movie came out. And, you know, sometimes we, we have to recognize that there's nothing new under the sun. The, the, the enemy is out to do things to trick and destroy people. Well, enough on that. I wasn't going to use that, but I thought, yes, I will too, because probably uh, half to two-thirds of you saw the movie and didn't raise your hand. You thought, I'm not watching. I'm not letting Pastor know I watched a zombie movie. <laughs> All right. There's a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. That's how the kingdom of this world tries to conquer the kingdom of God. The devil came in and lied in the garden the first time. The devil will come in and lie in your garden. Your house is to be protected. That's why I started with your house and the gates of your house. What you let in, what you decide, who you make Lord, how you demonstrate lordship, how you as parents show your kids what it is to make Jesus Lord when it doesn't feel like it, doesn't look like it, and there's a conflict. Understand this. There will be continual assault and conflict on having Jesus be Lord of your life. The world can't change his being your Savior because that's a free gift. But lordship is being a living sacrifice and saying, Jesus, I will live in your kingdom even where it costs me. I will live for you. Now, all that is worship so that he as God sits in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. So Christ is being opposed. I'm going to ask you to, to think about how you're going to respond to that. Say, so, well, I've had a relatively good year. Christ is being opposed. At some point, you're going to come up to opposition in Jesus being Lord. It most commonly in the past would come up in the workplace when there was a social activity that didn't fit you and you couldn't fit into it. And people talked behind your back that you weren't a part of the social scene at work. Big whoop. I'm going to say, that was nothing compared to now. When, when, when I look at what kids are having to deal with and put up with in the education system, it is worse. It is more pressure. They need more help. They need enlightenment. They need mom and dad to be raised up as priests in the home and say, look, 
you're a great kid. You are right. You, you love God with all your heart. He's going to honor you in this lifetime because you are honoring him and, and become their greatest advocate for what's right because they're going to hear a lot of other stuff. Why? Persecution will come. It will winnow out many. Why? People don't want a hard time in anything, even when it counts for eternal things. Now, and know, and now, verse 6, you know that, that he who withholds does this because he, he will be revealed in his time. In other words, there, there's something withholding or holding back the evil work of Antichrist. There are a lot of different teachings on what people think it could be, but understand this, we are part of that force. We are part of what withholds the devil from getting his way in the earth. The people of God are. The people who love Jesus are. Some say, well, it's the Holy Spirit. Well, where does he live? He's living in us. So either way, I'd like to think it is the Holy Spirit, but he's in me, and I'm a part of his army. I'm a part of his force to hold back darkness, to hold back wickedness. I could bring a bunch of Star Wars illustrations in, but we don't have time. And I've watched them all a number of times. Yes, I have. And I was at the world premiere when it came out, believe it or not, for my birthday party in June of 1979. No, 1977. I was 16, turning 16. My best friends took up a little collection and off we went. Now, what I was sharing, there's all kinds of things that if you stop and think, you recognize about a kingdom. The kingdom becomes defensible if the people in it understand they have something to defend. That's who we are. Now, for the mystery of iniquity is already at work. Only he who now holds back will retain or keep it from taking over the world until he is taken out of the way. A restraining force, I believe, that believers are a part of holding something back. But he talks about the mystery of iniquity. Understand what iniquity is. It's when, when people choose to sin knowing God is against it. When people choose to live a certain way, even though the Bible says we should not. How many Christians have I heard excuse their behavior as the will of God instead of recognizing there is a difference in how we behave and who we are in Christ that we have to work to reconcile. There's something about every believer that could be better. But yet when Jesus looks at us, he sees us as though it's already fixed because he took care of it. But we have the conflict between what's finished and what's not finished. And when people don't know the Bible, they make excuses for what's not finished and expect everybody else to embrace it as they're great, they're okay, they're acceptable, they're right with God, when they're as wrong with God as they can possibly be because they're saying, I don't have to do anything about my behavior. Well, making Jesus Lord is about maturing and growing. If you have a three, I saw a three-year-old, I was in a, a store walking around while Lucinda was shopping and looking, and, and looking at people, and there was this three-year-old, every time I looked, they were screaming their head off, and Mama was screaming her head off back. I thought, poor thing, how are they going to come up knowing what's right and what to do? And, and I did interact with her after a little while. I said, your child's lovely. There must be something wrong. She said, this is the cat from hell. I thought, oh, boy, okay. And I thought, bless that little kid's heart. I prayed for the little kid. But that, that's an aside. I, I saw behavior that at three had to kind of be tolerated. It shouldn't have been the way it was, but it was what it was in the moment. 
So I wonder what are they going to do when that little cat's 16 or 19 or you know, how are they going to respond to authority and structure? And In the body of Christ, we may in the moment have a lot of God's grace for our behavior, but he expects us to mature enough that we look and go, I need to do something about that. I remember things in my childhood as a little kid. I had grandparents especially that would do this. They just look like, really, you're going to act like that? Really? You're gonna? And, and I would just like have this wake-up moment. Oh, and, and one grandmother in particular would say, you're too old for that. Five-year-olds just don't do that and act like that. And I'd think about it, think, okay, I better not then, because I'm five. I better straighten up. Did you know that's, that's God's approach to us? Is we have these moments where we go, oh, I get it. I, I need to change something about me. And that's when his grace begins to work. When we embrace the truth and we say, I don't want to be more like the world. I want to be more like Jesus. I don't want to carry this ugly habit into my adult life. I, I don't know if you, you, how do I say this? If you watch Hallmark movies, okay, the women are all going in, the guys are going to say, dear Lord Jesus, why do you use that? I, I used it on purpose. They're all very much alike to the man. They're like, they're all the same story a hundred times over, and it's just like the setting's different and the people look a little different. A lot of times people look the same. I got the same, same <laughs> 10 actors and actresses. Amen. It all looks the same. But there's usually this little thing when the couple starts to fall in love, this little thing from the past that rolls forward, that has the, the possibility to threaten an end, the whole happy ending that is always the same no matter what, but they make you think it's all in jeopardy and, and the girls cry and the guys go to the kitchen to find a snack. It's kind of what happens in those moments. Like, really, if life was like that? But understand in our, our walk with God, we have those little things that we let hang on even though we're past them that color our identity and how we interact with others that we need to let go. That's part of what the devil uses to, in the body of Christ to not have the right kind of gathering, the right kind of connection, the right kind of trust. And you see in the movies every time, somehow it's resolved and many times through a friend. We need one another in this season. That's what fellowship is about. The mystery of iniquity is not such a mystery. Here are the two key things that I believe happen to people, and this is the thrust of the day as we wind it to a close. The beauty of a series is I never have to finish my notes. I, I, can, I can leave you in a low place or a high place. I prefer the high place, but uh, when we assign first place to something that displaces our faith and our authority, I use this as an example. If we put if we put family time before gathering, huge mistake. Why? It sounds righteous on the surface, but I've got to provide and take care of my family. Yes, but he's got to come before the family or family is God before him. We learn a lot thinking about that one. Employment is the other one. That's why I used if it were a Monday. People get to work. Business. Think of it this way. Do you serve the Lord or do you want him to serve you? 
See, I, we have this wonderful benefit we have. If we're serving the Lord, we know He's there for us. And we don't even have to stop and have a crisis prayer moment because we know we're honoring Him. When we're honoring Him on the fly, we just say the name of Jesus. It's a wonderful thing that, that happens if, if deer jump in front of you. If you haven't noticed lately, a lot of deer between here and Gibson City, more than I've ever seen. And they like to come out whenever there's a little bit of fog. It's like they, they come out. If you see three little trees by the railroad track, there's probably one hiding in there. And you need to watch out. And I remember Lucinda saying several times, there's a lot of deer in here. I'm thinking, there's never been deer in here before. Well, I've seen them in here before. And we had this little discussion about just accept. There, there, there's, there's something hiding in your path ready to jump out. But well, what do we do? It's a wonderful thing if one does jump in front of you. And I've never had the, the experience of literally hitting one. Almost did. Almost hit a moose in Vermont. Almost hit a lot of things. But didn't hit any. Swerve quick. Quick reaction time. I won't go into that any further. <laughs> Got to have quick reaction time sometimes. But how wonderful to in the moment when something is happening that fast just to say the name of Jesus and know. And that is, that is what we do when we know we're walking in a way that honors Him. That's all He needs is an acknowledgement that He's Lord. By one word, His name. That's all it takes. The second thing that, that happens in, in our society and has happened historically in the world is people aligning with rights rather than submission to God's authority. All these new sexual orientations it's a right in our nation but do you find it in the bible any place i've looked i hadn't found it so morality sexuality and finances the three biggest things where people will align with the world's wisdom instead of submitting to god's way many christians uh, Focus first on their investments and their savings. When God says we're to first get our giving in line, that's not a popular message. Tell you something, it never has been. But when we submit to the king's way, we get the kingdom benefit. And when people don't submit to the king's way and the devil comes knocking on their finances, they become a God chaser, but they don't know how to operate in the kingdom and they've not sown kingdom seed to operate in the kingdom. And it takes a while to change our mind and change our thinking. Similarly, when the enemy attacks any one of those areas, the devil always has an easier route of escape that looks like if you just take charge yourself, you can make it happen faster and better than if you trust God. I would be careful to trust God or you'll become an anxiety-ridden, crazy person. We have to trust the Lord. Well, we don't want to stop there quite yet. We want to build a family altar that restores God's order. It doesn't happen first at church. Church is to increase what you're doing at home. It's a partnership. Joshua 22, I'm just sharing a few verses, but... Two things had happened. Israel was coming into the promised land and possessing, and the land was being divided up, and three of the tribes struck out on their own. Before they were given the go-ahead, they went to do their own thing. But before that, uh, there, there were a bunch of people building altars to Baal, and God said, we're not going to worship the gods of this world. 
Think of Baal today as uh, all of the things in the world system that are coming to a head. Oh, how wonderful to have a computer chip in you that lets you buy and sell and probably has a plant into your brain to tell you what your bank balance is. We'll probably set off an alarm if you're overdrawn. or I mean, who knows what all they've got in mind? <laughs> who knows what else is attached to that that might change the way something in your body works? Who knows? I don't know. And I'm not against technology. I'm just wary of anything that is going to plug me into somebody else's computer or somebody else's system. Now, the family altar will protect us from wrong thinking. Uh, they, they had two altars that went up. And God said, you're going to have to go tear those altars down, the world system, and doing your own thing. Those are your two principal enemies in this age. Going the way of the world and not knowing the difference, being first, then being a maverick and doing your own thing without being plugged into God's direction and his order. So Joshua, in dealing with the people, said, no, no, you're going to tear all that down and you're going to get in God's right order or he's not going to let you inherit. The land will eat you up instead of you pushing them out. Understand what's at stake. If we go the way of the world, we lose our right to kingdom authority because the authority in Jesus' name is because we're submitted to the king. If we want the outcome, then we submit to his system and his way. There's no excuse for not making right choices except we have to recognize we're giving room to the devil. I know so many people that have fallen away that think they're all right with God and they're no more right than anything and it's going to catch up to them soon. Why? They're going to have to make a choice because there's going to be this wrestling and shaking and chaos that comes into the world because Christians will eventually find their voice, at least some, and there will be a stink over some things. And you'll have to decide which side of things do you want to be on, what God says stinks or what the world says stinks. That's what's coming. Now, he says, let us build an altar not for a burnt offering, so that it may be a witness between us and you and for our generations after us that we might serve the Lord with our offering sacrifices and peace offerings so your children may not say to our children in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. See, so saying there was about to be a departure from the will and plan of God because people were doing their own thing and going the way of the world. We're in the middle of a whole generation that's looking back on their church experience saying that. And their friends are saying to them, you don't need any of that. Why don't you need the drama of religion? Why do you need people telling you how to live or what to do or what's right for you? You're big enough to decide what's right for you. Where did they probably learn that? Out in the world system and maybe the education system by non-Christian people who thought they were preaching the mantra of the future. Be your own God. Have it your own way. Do your own thing. I remember hearing all of that when I was all of seven years old. Again and again and again. Now, so when they make exception from God's will with their excuses, we may say again, behold the pattern of the altar of the Lord. There's a right way, then there's everything else. The altar of the Lord, which is a witness between us and you. In other words, we become the living example because we know the truth, and it'll set the next generation free if we build an altar in our own house, if we guard what's coming through the gates in our own house, 
If we protect what's happening in our own family, God's family will be healthier as a result. We're here to help one another do that. I know that, that people have taken all kinds of hits and there's all, kinds of, there, there's all kinds of things that if it was the Hallmark movie that they wouldn't bring into the script. We need to bring it into our script of our prayer life with God and say, God, I want resolution on this. Let's fix this. Let's, let's make the altar in our home the altar to the Lord and not to the world system and certainly not to our own way. I go back to my story in TJ Maxx where the baby was screaming at the mother and the mother was screaming at the baby. What causes that is when we don't have a pattern and a model and an altar in how to raise our kids or be an example or right values or how to respond appropriately. The Bible teaches all of those things. When we don't have a model or right model and in society that model has been destroyed, understand what's happening. The altar of God is being pulled down by the powers that be. And we have to go back in in our own families and raise it up. Because in the public, it's not so popular anymore. But in our home, it must be sacred. I want to tell you something about the kingdom of God as we close. It's God's predetermined way to bless your future. It's his determination on his part to see the work finished that he started. And we're a part of that work. He started a good work in me. He wants to finish the good work in me. And this is how he finishes it. We acknowledge him. We acknowledge faith in his name. We build that altar. How do you build an altar? You talk about Jesus returning. You, you, you do, do what I said early on. Talk about Jesus returning. Talk about how we as a family want to honor the Lord together. Uh, family altar in our house growing up, we lit little candles on the kitchen table in the 70s, and we all sat there and heard Dad read a Bible verse. Then he'd say, what does that mean to you? And we would all answer a little bit of something and look at it, like, tell us what it means. Because we didn't exactly know. You need moments like that for the generations where there's discussion. I, I, I'm excited every time I see our church families having discussions and talking some things out. One of the best things that can happen is kids ask the parents questions they can't answer. What do you do? You go find the answer. Usually because I want to look intelligent to my kid. You know, I want to have answers for them. But sometimes we suddenly recognize, I don't know how to put that into words. And we go find the words to share it. I'm going to pray over you before we go. I, I originally thought, well, there's going to be altar time. We're not going to do an altar time. It's too, maybe a little too upfront and convicting today to do that. Why? Because I, I, I know the answer in my heart. If I say, is there, there, there anybody today bore witness to you to guard the gates of your own home? You'd say yes, because we live in a fallen world. If I said, don't we need the supernatural wisdom of God to know how to stay ahead of things and stay some steps ahead? Everybody'd say yes. So I'm going to say this. This is the altar this morning. Okay. You can partake as you want to. You can receive from the Lord as you want to, but I'm, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray first that our, our eyes are open to God's future, that we have an open mind to discuss it and talk about it in our families, and that we, we learn to elevate Him to first place. Heavenly Father, this morning, I'm so thankful that Your people heard Your voice, and so many came out, even with a little chaos. Heavenly Father, this morning, we take authority over the chaos coming against us from this world. And the spirits that are in this world, in the name of Jesus, they are under our feet. 
Father, I speak over this church and every attendee, every family represented here, that we walk in the victory that the Lord Jesus Christ paid for, and we learn day by day how to surrender our lives to you, Jesus, as our Lord, to experience an increase in victory. Lord Jesus, thank you for opening our eyes by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning to see things the way we ought to see them not to be sensational in our viewing, not to be over the top in how we deal with things, but, Father, to have wisdom in this life to succeed, to have a loving family that stays close. Father, to see those that are separate from fellowship in God come into fellowship. Father, to see harmony and peace in our home. Father, to have predictability, a good outcome in our workplace and in our business that we can trust you no matter what's thrown our direction by the world or the government or, or the work of the enemy, no matter what comes our way, that we see you as our source. And our confidence remains unshaken and our faith grows. Now, Father, I thank you this morning that you open our eyes into your perfect will and your perfect future. This is a year you've already warned us we will have what we say. So we say of the Lord, you are our strength. You're our refuge. You're our high tower where we run in times of trouble. And we're in that tower, Lord Jesus, to get your view and lay of the land, to pray appropriately over our families, to see everything that needs a resolution move toward improvement. Father, I thank you that every child in any school in this place represented here will have a wisdom beyond their years, will have a, a, a boldness and a willingness to come home and talk about things. Father, that there will be a family altar established because every family wants it. Father, they'll talk about it today. How do we do that? And they just take a few minutes in the beginning to pray together and ask for your direction and your protection. Father, help us as parents and grandparents honor what's right in our children when they make right decisions. Bring that out and blow it up, and Father, let it be celebrated as it should be, what it means to make Jesus Lord. Father, for every person struggling with lordship that's in a battle right now, I ask, Father, that your ministering angels come to their aid and help them win the battle because your script, the scripture says, the word says, the angels are there to serve us in this life. So, Heavenly Father, we loose the working of the Holy Spirit and your angels into their life to make a difference, to bring a quick victory, a quick turnaround. And Father, as the victory's coming, let there be a conviction in making good and right decisions and set life on a path for more success than failure. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we stand to walk in your wisdom. We stand to have more and increase of your knowledge more and more. And what you know and the wisdom that you have makes all the difference in our lives. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you that your anointing destroys every oak. Doesn't just break it off, destroys it, pulverizes it, makes it a thing of the past. And we walk forth in new life, new energy, new vision, new anointing, and a supernatural kind of joy with peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that Ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. 
You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's Word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of His Word.